Ciao ragazzi, hello everyone and benvenuti to In the Shadow of Vesuvio, episode 11. Obviously I'm not Henry Bell, but I'm Michele, Michele Borelli, and I'm introducing today's episode because it is quite a special episode actually. I had the honor of meeting our only, our only Henry Bell, which was here with us. Hello Henry. Ah, hi. Hi, Michele. Really, really good to talk. Um, yeah, how, what's the feeling of being introduced? Yeah, what's the feeling of talking after someone at the end, at the start of the episode? A lot, a lot of pressure. But we, we you know, we, we turn the tables because, you know, I was in the, the shadow of Vesuvio for, for yes. five days, got back yesterday, and then now I'm yes. back in the, the grey of Scotland. Yeah, but that's irrelevant because we're going to talk about what happened last week. So... Last week, Napoli Genoa, our Henry Bell actually came to Napoli. He came, I believe, on Saturday, yeah, Friday. Flew, flew. All right, on Saturday. Saturday. And this guy, I mean, we didn't mention it in the previous episodes. Uh, he didn't even mention it to me like that far ahead, but it was actually a surprise. It was meant to be a surprise. And I didn't know, and he's going to tell you all about it now, but it was quite a special occasion for him. Not only because, obviously, visiting Napoli is always special, especially if you, if you live abroad, but it was also, and uh, yeah, why don't you tell us what happened on, on Sunday, Henry? Why were you so excited, except for, obviously, meeting me? Of course. Uh, that was the main thing I was most excited about saying, you know, I mean, I, I suppose I need, to, I need to come clean with our listeners. This was my, Sunday was my first time at the stadium my first time live and um yes harry harry's first time was with me ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that is what he's trying to say he's a little bit shy as you can hear but that is actually literally factually what happened he we had his first time with me we yes I, I, and you were very gentle okay i was very gentle i took care of everything he told me it would be his first time and uh yeah i got him you know everything we needed to actually Uh, get in the stadium and uh, yeah there was uh i didn't know it I only told me a few days before coming here i assumed you know because we thought we hear henry talk about napoli uh you know teams from the 90s from uh before the 90s era it also he's so very knowledgeable that i assumed he had been to the stadium like hundreds of times and nice. so when he came out and told me michele i am actually a stadium virgin <laughs> you know, and, and you know, obviously Napoli, Napoli Stadium Virgin. It was quite a shock to me because, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect that. But then again, I felt very honored to. Unfortunately, we didn't. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, I was, I was very honored. We didn't get inside the stadium together, no, but nonetheless, we, yes, we, 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 we watched the the game together. Nonetheless, so that was very exciting. And what what people have to realize listening is that the thing that I really. Because, I mean, what we're going to do, I recorded a lot of voice notes, which I'm going to stitch together and we'll release it as a, as a special episode. I think Ken and Rafa are going to help as well. Um, and so you, 
you know, I've got so there'll be a show where we get the live experience of me walking into the stadium for the first time. But what listeners need to realize is how famous Michele is. Um, you know, I turned up, got out of Forty Grotta train station, took me 10 minutes to get to the bar, which is probably about five minutes too long because I got a bit lost. And then I turn up and there's a whole bunch of outside this bar, a bunch of people. And Michele's there with his, his branded baseball cap on, which, which the people of the world want to get their hands on, Michele. There's, you've already got some requests. Yeah, I and do. I was ready for a big emotional moment, but Michele, you were too busy. You were just handing out tickets. How many tickets did you hand out on Sunday? A lot, a lot, quite, quite a few. And uh, it was, it was, it's always, it's always nice for me, you know, to actually, yeah, I told a lot of people because usually I give, I give tickets in the days before the game as well. But this time around, I told everyone to come on Sunday, almost everyone, at least, because again, of, because of the Giro d'Italia the day before, I couldn't meet people on Saturday, if you remember that. So, yeah, so a lot, a lot of people came and yeah, I was already in the middle of it. But, then I saw this guy, this blonde, white, very pale white guy <laughs> approaching from, from far away with People his phone. People stare at me in Naples and I, you know, I think it's just because I'm famous because of this podcast, but I think it also might be that I have the pastiest skin in the world. But uh, yeah, I was... Might be. And, but there was a huge... I mean, this, this bar, what's the name of the bar again, Michele? Kalishi. Kalishi E. Wine bar. A really nice wine bar and you can see the stadium from outside and what i will say listeners is that michele has sort of either through design or accident has sort of made this incredible community of people who come from all around the world and it was it was so cool before this i got there early as as requested although not as early as you wanted me to get there i got there about 12 but you wanted me there early that's fine um <laughs> And there were people from all around the world. So there was like, okay, there were people I recognized from Twitter, like Daniel Bowen. Hey, Dan, I know you listen to the show. Uh, his son, Mario. There was Miguel. There was his wife, his bambino, Enzo. And, you know, there were people that I kind of thought were going to be around. But then there were all these like random people who come from the UK. And I'd had like a beer. So I was like, come and join our table. And we had all these people like who had just come for the day to see Napoli. You had somebody from, where did they come from? The furthest? That they come from new zealand i think yeah and like okay people rightly mock adl for a variety of things but when he says that there's like the fourth most supported team in italy i mean they talk he talks about the, the millions of napoli fans that there are worldwide there was real evidence of that and that was really moving for me because like who the who the who am i i'm just some nerdy guy that watched napoli on tv when i was a kid I never thought in a million years, never thought in a million years that I would go to the stadium because well, who would I go with? What would I, what would I do? Who would I, I don't want to go to, just sit on my own like, like a weirdo. And then there's this community that you created, Michele, which is just amazing. And, you know, I've, a lot of these people I met also came through, through Twitter and the, you know, social media, all these things is like connected me up to all these other people. So I could go to the stadium. So I'm no longer a plastic fan. And it was just amazing, like these random people from around the world. I was chatting to a Chelsea fan called Jason. There was an Arsenal fan, some guy from Edinburgh. And they'd come like on a footballing pilgrimage. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it, Michele? Like, yeah. you must see this every week, so it's not that amazing for you. No, it's, no, no it is, it is. It's, uh, it's an idea I had two or three years ago when 
I started doing this. I, it was really fun for me to think of a scenario where I, I kind of facilitate the meeting of Napoli fans from all around the world at the stadium. It's not something it's, again, it's kind of random anyway, because I don't tell people, you know, come, come and meet other people. I just tell them, come and, you know, like, get a ticket, collect your ticket. And if you want, you can stay for a beer or a wine. And they usually do. I mean, not all of them, but um, some people, um, some people actually stay. And that's what happened. So I, at the beginning, it was just me. And I think there were, uh, when I, when I, yeah, when I, when there was 11 a.m. and uh, there were four people from the Netherlands and they were sitting in front of me and they were also, uh, after my tickets, I didn't know because they didn't introduce themselves. They they thought I wasn't who I claimed I was. I guess they were waiting for someone else to come first. So right. yeah, so someone came, I gave them the ticket and they said, ah, you're Michele. Yeah, so they got the tickets, then they left, then they, uh, some guys from uh, Hungary came and a uh, girl from New Zealand, a lot of people from around the world. And then, uh, you know, first thing, you know, after after a while, it is this huge table. With, like, I think we, we took like four or five tables just us with uh, the whole of the outside was uh, yeah, that, ten f- yeah. I mean, again, to go back to, you know, I, I always thought like me and Napoli was going to be like a private, my own private personal vice, you know, this thing, this, this secret that I have, you know, I'm from a, a family that's quite artistic that are not interested in, in sports. Most of my friends are not interested in any of this stuff. A lot of my friends from when I was a kid, they've seen that I'm talking about Napoli these days and they're like, hang on, you support Napoli? I didn't know this. So it's always been this, this very, and so the opportunity to just sit and talk to people about Napoli, like Michele, for you, obviously you get to do it because it's the city and it's the Chita and it's everywhere. And that's one of the great things about, about Naples. But for, for me, and I think a lot of people, the opportunity to gather before the game in the shadow of the, of the stadium with all the history and seeing it and just be able to talk Napoli for a couple of hours in a good bar. I mean, it was just really, really great, you know, and I don't know if every club's like that. Maybe it is. I, I, I don't know. But there's just something, of, there was something that felt very, um, I don't know, very sort of moving for, for me. And I think there's probably quite a lot of people like me that, that got into, as you were talking about, some people get into this club because of computer games. Some people get into this club because of all sorts of reasons. Yeah, but what yeah. you don't have if you're not there is that community of people. And, yeah. you know, I know Twitter gets a hard time, but like if it wasn't for social media and stuff, like a lot of the people I think that come to get tickets from you wouldn't necessarily do that. So like, so yeah, that bit before was, was incredible. And we did get a chance to talk, but you're super busy. And it was something about looking at that stadium. And we ended up having quite a long chat, didn't we, at our table about whether or not there should be a new stadium built and stuff. Yeah. Um, which we'll, we'll release at some point, that, that voice note chat. There was some, some quite choice language from Daniel Bowen. <laughs> yeah, there was an interesting conversation. Yeah, but it was very funny. I think, yeah, I kind of take it for granted that I get to speak about Napoli every day with friends and people and even family, you know. And uh, you don't. You are you and a lot of people from all around the world actually don't. And it's your only chance to, one of the few chances at least you have to talk in person with fellow Napoli fans from around the world, uh, right in front of the stadium. It must be yeah. So that was like a happy accident. Like, obviously, I picked that bar because that was right in front of the stadium. It's quite easy for everyone to get there, ex- except from you, I guess. 
<laughs> but <Sure>. it was <laughs> but it was line as well. <laughs> no it was not that just you i told the owner because there is no there is no sign outside this the the bar it's just like this red awning and i told them like you should put like the name of the bar like big you know outside but anyway yeah so it's definitely if i if i'm still doing this next season because you never know especially mm-hmm. with napoli but if i'm still doing this next season then that's definitely something i want to develop something i want to actually encourage people coming outside the stadium and uh, uh having the just a chance to speak about napoli all together because it's it's uh it's really fun for me too you know having all these different perspectives and uh knowing yeah, how people and a lot of people it's a lot of people uh first time at the stadium most of the time and uh, uh if it's not the first then it's the second or third or fourth you know no no more than that so they are very emotional and they can wait and that's one of the reasons why i like to do what i do because i you know seeing people's eyes after i give them the tickets or i send them a, a picture or whatever it's it's really it's something else you know it's it's a lot of people telling me it's a dream of theirs to actually go to the stadium it's first time or second and third and it's uh it's it's an it's a honor for me to actually facilitate that you know i enabled them to to do it so yeah it was was quite fun it, it was very fun for me on on sunday but yeah i mean for you it must have been so i mean have you been have you ever seen the stadium from outside before sunday uh no well i have from like the plane and stuff so like i mean it's my third time in in naples and i've usually been with you know family or whoever my my partner might have been back there but now i'm in the, a very happy relationship with someone from from italy so it was great to come come with her as well you know to to the city the um but i was just like i mean it's still quite hard to talk about for me because it, it was very emotional seeing the stadium because it's quite hard to describe but it's like you know, I'm a theatre lecturer, I used to be a theatre director, and there's a whole sort of passion and interest of mine, which is Napoli football club and Italian football. And it's it's always this thing that I've had to either hide, not hide, but to keep, keep to myself in this weird way to describe. And it was like, this is going to sound very pretentious, but it was, I really felt like I was kind of like the full version of myself when I was in Naples. Um, and I think it's something about the city that does that as well. I think, and maybe that was because I was with my partner who I'm very happy with and she's Italian. And it was just like, the whole thing was just amazing. But that particular day, I just felt like the full version of myself. I felt like actually this is, this is, I'm, Naples is part of me, which is a ridiculous thing to say because I was born in Manchester and I've got nothing, mm. nothing to do with Naples, but like, it it really felt like part of me had been completed in in a way and that's and i got that interestingly i got that the second i saw the stadium when i walked from the station and um yeah and then i had a few beers and listened to daniel bunch swear a lot and that was that was great so there was there was a lot that was of the highlight yeah, <laughs> yeah i love you too i love you too. but like um so it was quite a profound thing i'm 39 and you know i've done different things in my life I've changed career quite a lot. I've moved around the UK a lot, lived in France for a bit. And so I have quite a, 
sometimes I've struggled a bit with different ideas of who am I and what is it that I really want to do and there was just something I felt very settled and it was anyway it was so it was quite a sort of profound thing for me on a sort of personal level beyond the emotions of just this club so I got that when I saw the stadium but then your mate Albert Alberto right yeah Alberto yes he took me in he did yeah so what did he do because at one point after we've talked a little bit, I had to stay at the bar to allow people to collect their tickets. And I told you to make your way to the Curva B because obviously it was quite late. It was just two hours before kickoff. So it was time to actually get inside the stadium. Yep. And uh, yeah, the stadium was sold out. It was quite, I think it was, it was a very great day even before the game, right? I mean, except the, not, not even considering the, you know, the nice discussion we, we've had, you know, the community and stuff. The weather was 10 out of 10, Perfect. right? It wasn't, it wasn't that hot. It wasn't cold. It was nothing. It was very sunny, beautiful. You know, that's, that's why people go to the stadium on, uh, on the last, day of, last game of the, of the season because usually, you know, weather in May is amazing. And, uh, yeah, the, it, it really was, you know, Sunday, 3 p.m., Sunday morning because it was, yeah, before the game. Weather is amazing. Uh, stadium is sold out you know you could actually I spoke to a few people when I gave them the tickets and they were like they were so excited and they were like we can already feel the vibration you know just staying outside the stadium because I see like a lot of people it was Frigotta was quite busy obviously last Sunday it was really it was I mean it starts when you get on the train so I got on the That's train right, yeah. from from Monte Santo and um about half of the people on the train had Napoli shirts were obviously going to get off it Grotta, and there was an excitement about them and the sky was perfect azzurro you know and the the, the 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 sun was there but you know what was really weird is that it really reminded reminded me because I've obviously until Sunday I've been a person that watched Napoli on TV it seemed like the exact weather of the first Cuscadetto the first and I, I should know the exact date. I'm trying to remember what the exact date was of the first Scudetto. 10th, 10th of May. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same sort of time. And that, that added to the emotion for me. And obviously, Maradona has passed. And you're just so aware of the history of the club just because it's so iconic. And so Alberto took me into the stadium. I bumped into... Stephen is a guy who writes for the Gentleman Ultra as well. It was hilarious. We bumped into each other. There's about 60,000 oh. people around, and yet we bumped into each other. Um, I've got a recording of us meeting, so I'll, I'll post that in, in, the, in the episode. But then there were so many people. I mean, I mean, you obviously will see this all the time, but there's just a sea of, of blue, of blue and white everywhere, and surrounding the stadium. And somehow Alberto managed to get us in to an entrance that didn't have a queue. So, yeah. yeah. It's our special entrance. We always go there. I don't know why. No one, no one goes there. It's, I'm not going to say the name of the entrance. No, don't. But yes, no, because no, I'm going to say it. If you go to Kurabi Upper, if you go to Gate 8, for some reason, there is no one there. I don't know why. Even if there is a huge line, a huge queue in the other two Kurabi gates, Kurva, uh, the gate number 8 is always empty, usually. So, yeah. So how was walking around the stadium? That's what I want to know, because yeah. for me, even after so many years and, uh, you know, I've been to the stadium 
I don't know, like I was trying with Alberto, my friend, I was trying to count, but it's impossible. I, I was like, have you been, have we been to the stadium 50 times, 60, 70? I don't know. I honestly don't know, but it's what, what is still the same is um, the approach. What I love at least is the approach to the stadium. So I get emotional, well, emotional, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes special for me. The moment I leave my house and for you would have been the BNB or, the hotel whatever you were saying the moment i leave my house and i usually put um my napoli shirt on or maybe my napoli scarf on the moment i leave my house i get into the car heading towards the stadium for me it's you know it's it's amazing you know my day you know i start to i start to get excited and uh uh very very you know regardless of the game it's it it becomes special you know regardless of the day the game and whatever it is so for you like, I don't know. I, I can't remember when was my first time at the stadium. I must have been, I probably was a kid, so I, I don't remember it. But for you, like, I want to know, like, how was it, like, leaving the hotel thinking, okay, I'm actually going to the stadium. And then I want to know, how was it to actually heading, like, after we said goodbye and I told him, okay, head, go to Incurva B and I'll reach you later. How was it like that moment towards the when you followed Alberto to the gates of Kurabi? Because I want to know everything about it because it's, I think there are faces. When you get inside the stadium, there are some faces. Like, again, first phase for me is obviously, I mean, getting the tickets is the first phase, but yep. the first real phase on match day is leaving the accommodation to go to, towards the stadium. Then once you reach the Fori Grotta area, second phase is going towards the gate. So I want to know both. Okay. Both faces, how were your feelings and so I bought happened? this is very good. We should always do the podcast this way around, okay? <laughs> uh you ask better questions than me. Well, I brought four Napoli shirts with me. Um, so I had to choose which one to wear. And I I was gonna wear the the white and blue one from the 1617, the yeah, sixteen seventeen season, which is my favorite Napoli shirt. But the last minute I reached for my retro number 10, 86, 87 to put that on. And that was that was quite a big moment for me, because, again, I usually when there's a Napoli match on at home, I'll wear a, a Napoli shirt. And part of me always feels like a bit of a dickhead. When I put it on, I'm just like I'm sat in my house. It's like people who play football manager and they wear a suit for the for the FA Cup final or, mm. or whatever. Um so there was this feeling, you're absolutely right, of putting the shirt on and going, actually, I'm going to the stadium this time. And then I went for a coffee around the corner. And I think I told you this. Yeah. And the guy that served me it was a Juve fan. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I think you found the only Juve, like barista Juve fan in the whole, the whole city. Unbelievable. And I'll, um, when we release the voice notes and stuff, you'll be able to hear it because actually I, I recorded it. And I was, you know, saying, you know, what do you think about the, I was doing my best in my terrible Italian. And I was saying, like, what do you think the score's going to be? Maybe, maybe 3 0. And he was like, no, I, I support you, Juventus. Now, we stayed friends just about. So that was quite funny. And I was, and also on the taxi from the airport, the guy didn't like football. So I was thinking, like, maybe it's McKayley. Is he is he scamming me? Is actually no one in Naples interested in, in football? <laughs> um, no, everybody in Naples is interested in football. So that was and actually getting the train was cool as well because I felt like a fan. I felt I didn't feel like a tourist 
and it's back to that sense of belonging and identity like it's really fun to go to a city that you're not from where you can't really speak the same language but you actually feel a sense of belonging there and i thought actually that was amazing to be on a train with a bunch of people and go actually i have this in common with you and that sort of you know football's got its vices it's incredibly fucked up as a sport there's some dreadful things that football fans have done to each other there's some awful human rights abuses done in the name of football that I deplore, but there's also an amazing sense of collective connection that it can create. So that was amazing. And then, yeah, we talked about it, they walk around the stadium. Okay, what I really like about it is that it reminds me, it's completely different, but it's a little bit like some of the old fashioned locations of stadium in England. Mm. So in the old days in England, they've built, I mean, you've been to, you've lived in England, Scotland, yeah. but like, they build the stadium in the middle of houses. So you'd be in the, mid, in, in, a kind of, in the middle of the city. Whereas these days, the new stadiums are built on the outskirts. And what was nice is like seeing all the houses. So you'd look up and you'd see people like on the balcony and you'd see like they're washing, hanging out. And so th that sort of, sort of cauldron that surrounds the stadium is houses. Have I got that right? Am I making that up in my head? No, 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 absolutely not. But the only difference would be that when the stadium was built in, uh, in the 50s, 1950s, it was actually in the middle of nowhere. And then they built the Fury Grotta neighborhood around the stadium. So, yeah. But, but yeah, no, no, there was... Yeah. Both the bands and they will play. But like, and on the way to Curva B, we have to go past this kind of quite big red... Yeah. Red block of... And that's houses as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this sense of like people looking in. And obviously you're completely surrounded completely surrounded by other Napoli fans. And again, I keep saying, but imagine, Michele, that Napoli has been your private passion for 30 years. And then suddenly you're completely, in, it's the most public thing that you've ever had. I loved how unpretentious it was. I know everyone says this about, about Naples, it's a bit of a cliche, but it was a sense of like people going to a football match. You don't have all that corporate shit out there. You don't have all that stuff. And I, that's one of the reasons I love Napoli as, as a club and with all its faults is that if it's, let's be honest, it's just a fucking stadium, isn't it? <laughs> it's just yeah, a stadium. Yeah. And there's some people outside. And, you know, for me, I can say, because I've only been there once and as someone who's been to quite a lot of corporate stadiums, I quite like that. Although I'm sure it's quite frustrating for, for most Napoli fans because you, I mean, is it? Yeah, pros and cons, you know, like we, we I think we've talked about uh, about it a little bit when we were at the bar, you know, we talked about, you know, building a new stadium or keeping this one. So yeah. what I found, what I find very interesting and quite emotional about our stadium is it's basically even on the outside, it's mostly the same since it was built. The only thing they added notably is the roof. Obviously, so the metal part, they added it for the World Cup in the 90s, the Italian Novanta World Cup. But that's about it, you know, and then the rest is absolutely the same. You can even see the ticket offices outside the stadium. And those have been closed for like 15 years now, but they're still there. And uh, they used to, when, when Napoli tickets weren't um, customized, they used to sell tickets in the Botteghini. And the, I think they are used as offices now in, on, on, on match day. That's what they're used as. But um, yeah, those are still there. You know, the, there are no parts. Basically, it's basically the same and it's, it's quite nice. I, I talk to a lot of people from all around the world and when they get there, they, you, can, you, can, 
you sense that it's where this is where history was made, you know, and it's basically the same for better or worse. That's the exact same stadium where Maradona was Maradona, you know, and, and it's uh, so clear. I mean, you're so right. I mean, absolutely. And again, for me, that seen the footage of that of that glorious period, and even more up to date stuff. Like it looks exactly as it's there, and you're sort of taken yeah. back in time, which and as you say, it's pros and cons, and that you know that some people say that one of the problems with Napoli is that as a club, it's stuck in the past. That is this this church, this shrine to Maradona, and with that way of thinking, you're never actually going to get into the into the future. I personally think there's a way of dealing with that, which 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 can work. And so you're absolutely right. It looks. It looks exactly, it's funny that you say it's exactly like it was in, in 1987 or whatever. So like, that was really clear. And then I, I thought back to, um, you know, during lockdown, I did a, um, I did a series with, with Rafa where we, we did, went through, I mean, I watched every single Maradona game, all the highlights or, or, or the full one. And, um, you know, lockdown, not the easiest time for lots of us listening. And it was a genuine, it's, you know, Napoli kind of fulfills this role in my life that it's the, it's the place I go to when, you know, you want to have a, a break from everything else in life. And so I thought of, of my good friend Rafa and, and the show that we did in really difficult circumstances and, and those great times. Weirdly, I kept thinking about people like um, Romano. Remember, is it Salvatore Romano? He was the deep line playmaker in the first Scudetto. Yeah. And I thought about people like, um, who oh, uh, Ferrario, the, the centre back. Um, Ferrara, yeah. Yeah, Ferrara. Ferrari. Uh, you know, those dudes that weren't the most. I, I just thought of all these people, and I just thought, oh, there's so much. There's so Francesco. many stories that have happened there. It was Francesco Romano, I think. Yeah, just yeah. Ciccio Romano. Ciccio Romano. Wonderful player, totally underrated, like really elegant deep line playmaker. Very, very important in that season. And then didn't really do anything um, for the club after that season. But anyway, I thought of all these sort of random moments of history and they've all happened in, the, in that place. So anyway, so I walked through and there's, a, there's the guy. And again, everyone always says, oh, it's impossible to get into Italian football stadium. It's not. It's really easy. You just show your passport and your ticket, and you get in. Now that we don't have any COVID restrictions anymore, uh, yes. But even I mean, pre-COVID, people say, "Oh, it's very difficult to get into an Italian football stadium." It's not. You just need to have some ID and and, and a ticket. Yeah. And you go no, through like, but then you go through the turnstile, and that very much was like what you're saying, Miguelli. Like you really feel like that is the same turnstile. But you're going to tell me now that it probably wasn't, but. No, no, they, they, they're quite recent. There weren't any turnstiles, I think, until 15 years ago. Damn it. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Those are, those are quite new, but the rest is exactly the same. They, they did some renovations, I think, four years ago, three years ago. Yeah, they painted that the big. running track and stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, except for the seats and the running track, they also did some renovation outside, which is always funny because, I mean, it looks really bad from the outside. And then I tell them, and then I tell people, but, you know, it was actually worse three years ago, but it, because this was actually renovated just three years ago. And it, yeah, it, it looks like it's crumbling down, to be honest. But yeah, no, I, I assure you it's not. It's just uh, very old, obviously. It's kind of impractical in a way. 
But yeah, it's our stadium. It has a lot of history, and uh, yeah, these are definitely the pros. The pros about and it's the stadium, massive. You know? Let's be it honest, is. it's huge. It is. It and is. when I walked up those steps to go in, yes, that's what I want to know because for me, that's the the most special moment. Every every game I go, regardless of the game, regardless if I've been to the stadium just like three days before, if I'm gonna go again in a week, the moment where you, you know, climb those steps. And then the stadium open open ups in front of your eyes. That's for me. That's always the moment. You know, like okay, I'm I'm at home again. So I I wanna know. Okay, after the so you you went to the to the gate. They there was no queue thanks to Alberto and uh, you know our little secrets and stuff. They checked your ID. They checked your ticket, which obviously worked because you got your ticket from a very reputable source. Of course. Then uh, you I'll scan your ticket. ticket for the rest of my life. My first ticket, I've got it. I'm gonna get nice. it framed, put it in my office. Nice. Then you scan your ticket. The turnstile turn green. You push the turnstile. You successfully enter the stadium, and then you have like about I would say more probably like twenty or thirty steps in front of you towards the the stands, towards the actual stadium. So tell me what happened between the turnstile. And the 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 gate, you know, the actual entrance to the stands. I mean, yeah. Well, first of all, I got through much quicker than I thought. So in my head, I was expecting big queues and over it. But as you know, Albe's amazing um, route in. So I didn't have that moment to kind of make it significant in my head, which I was really pleased about, actually. So it was just there. And then I, I did actually record the moment when I, when I did walk in. It, there's, not many, there's not many steps up. There's not many steps no. up. No. And I would really recommend people book for Curva B when they do books. It was such a wonderful experience. But I mean, I will honestly remember this for the rest of my life. I honestly will because I, I stepped up and obviously there's, 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 there's sort of pressure that you put on yourself to experience emotion as a person, right? Particularly when there's a significant moment in your life, you think, oh, okay, okay. And, the, you know, the real, what we search for in life is that sense of genuine spontaneity, right? The moment when, it, when everything stops and all that noise in your head goes away and, and we are just like pure lived experience. And it was a moment like that. I, I walked up the steps and what, what there were two things that really struck me. The smell of the turf, so smelling the grass, and I I know it's not the same grass as 1987, but you can't help but think there's something about that smell and realize that that's the smell that Maradona had in his his nostrils, and that was that hit me, and I was like this is this is this is my club this is the smell of my club, but the main thing that struck me was the brightness, and you you walk up the steps. And then there's just this sea of blue and white matched with the perfect blue of the sky. And it was just completely overwhelming because I'm used to watching football in England or Scotland. It's dark, it's raining or whatever. And just this huge, the stadium just seems so big, this beautiful circle of, of blue. And... I didn't think about anything. I'm someone that likes to over-intellectualize and overthink things, but it just all went. And I just felt like I was in this incredibly bright 
just the, the brightness of it just completely got me. And that is when I, my first thought was, this looks exactly like 1987, 10th of May. And that was really, yeah, I didn't really know what to say. And I just, it was just completely just like shocked. And there was quite a lot of people there already. And there was already people singing and talking. And, and it was anyway. So I just stood there for about five minutes staring at it. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And then, yeah. I mean, the brightness is the thing. And we talked about this and it's not something that you particularly thought about, right? Because you just... No, no, definitely not. But it's something that's basically one of the reasons why I always like 3 p.m. games, especially when they are sold out. You know, it's... I love evening games because they usually... They're usually big games. I mean, obviously, if you have a Champions League game, it's in the evening. It's not at 3 p.m. Um, you know, every final is in the evening. So you kind of associate the evening game with an important game. But there is a special beauty about going on to the stadium on Sunday at 3 p.m. That's the, the classic time slot for Serie A games um, throughout the years, you know, in the 90s, in the 80s, the, yeah. the, before, before the, the, this TV, television you know, preference, you know, games on Saturday or Monday or, uh, you know, throughout the whole day on Sunday, stuff like that. All games were played, or at least most games were played on Sunday at 3 p.m. So it's always special, especially for the ones who actually got to leave that era. Not me, but um, it's quite special to go to the stadium at 3 p.m. And it's quite, it's quite nice to actually uh, experience this on... Um, on, uh, especially when 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 the stadium when the stadium is sold out, so that was quite that was quite emotional for me. That was quite that was quite nice. Yes. And the, the other thing, the first thing I noticed actually when I I got my I got my senses back together was I just saw, I saw the families that were there. There was like there was a lot of slightly younger people ish, but there was clearly people there with their dads, and there was also like a fairly decent mix of men and women, which I was quite surprised by, but that might again have been to do with the fact it was the last game of the season. Um, and it was, it was really full. And I love the fact that there's, there's, there's unreserved seating in the cover B. So there is this sense of like, I used to work in a theater called the, or the orange tree theater and they, they had unreserved seats. And I used to work there as a theater director where I used to help tearing tickets. And it was always great fun because you have to think about where you sit. You have to make your choice. And it was really cool that like, you know, Albe was like, he was working out the right, the right place to put us. Like all that stuff was just like, it was super cool. And he was surrounded by all these different sort of families and people. And you could see that there were ultras in the middle because they were wearing kind of ultra clothes. Um, yeah. And then, and then this is incredible game started, Michele, right? Like it was a weird day, wasn't it? It was like, such a historic day, like all this Insigne stuff that was going on. I mean, mamma mia. But you didn't see any of it because you were outside the stadium. I didn't see anything. I heard, obviously, from outside the stadium what was going on. And I heard Insigne reading very clearly from a script. Uh, something. So, yeah. yeah, so I'll be honest. So when I, when, I, when I got in and I spoke to you and Alberto about uh, what, what Insigne read and stuff like that, I found it surprising that it was emotional because from outside the stadium i could tell that they actually played some kind of video with i don't know i guess in senior highlights from previous seasons i could 
understand some words Antonio was saying. It it felt from outside the stadium. It felt forced and scripted. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, so he's doing what he well, has to do. It felt a bit. I mean, I didn't understand the, really the words he was saying. So, but what was what was amazing was the amount of people that were crying. I mean, it was like there was a lot of people crying. Um, and you know, the 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 shows that we've done and we've talked about in Sydney and the, and the mixed feelings. It's not just us that think that. There's a lot of people that I spoke to in the city. You know, when I was there as well. Um, but you could not deny the huge collective emotion that was there and the sense that he was he was kind of one of them and like you kind of said this last week that okay he hasn't been the best player in the history of Naples but the fact that he is from that does actually make does make a difference and so I was struck it was an emotional a sort of weirdly emotional day for me on a personal level but then there was this huge sense of collective emotion and and despite the ridiculousness of so lots of, I mean, that ridiculous fucking trophy that was bigger than Insigne that De Laurentiis handed over. Now, this is the next point. The thing that took me by surprise, people really don't like Aurelio De Laurentiis in Curva B and I think in Curva A and the viscerality, and my Italian is not perfect, but I understood some of those words. Mamma mia. And there was a huge amount of support for Insigne from everybody, but then that stopped immediately. As soon as like De Laurentiis' face came on the screen, as soon as he was involved, oh my God, that's intense, isn't it, McKay? That's what I heard from outside the season too, and I find it very funny because I heard the speaker announcing, okay, to give, you know, I think they gave some kind of cup to Insigne. I saw the pictures. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and uh, yeah, the speaker announced De Laurentiis on the pitch and then I'm, I was, I was, I was waiting for it, you know, like just booze and whistle. Yeah. Like that's why the Laurentiis is never on the pitch. You know, he's not very uh, liked, especially from the Curve. Uh, I would say more casual fans don't mind the Laurentiis, but um, it's not just about the Curve too. I would say, you know, people in Napoli are very divided, but I don't want to go into the details because talking about the Laurentiis will take at least like five or six episodes. We're going to do that. Yeah, no. do that so yeah, but, I think, but that was the thing that really, so I was surprised firstly by the amount of people crying. I'm not used to seeing, you know, being in a full packed stadium full of people where lots of people are crying at the same time. Um, but then I was quite taken aback by the level of hatred towards De Laurentiis. And the other thing that you really realize when you go to the stadium is how important Decibel Bellini is. And like, he is the, he is the maestro of the stadium. He's the conductor of the stadium. And when the, the, the team sheet was, was read out, that was big for me. And being able to participate in the kind of Decibel Bellini thing where he, well, do you want to explain it, Michele? Because you'll, you'll do it better, better than me. What's his, I mean, most people listening will know, but like just, just in case, his, his sort of, um, his MO, right? Is that... I mean, first of all, first of all, Bellini, Decibel Bellini is a, is a Napoli fan. So that's important. You know, I don't think... Uh, he's, a, he's a real Napoli fan. He's a huge Napoli fan. What most people don't know is that he's not paid to do what he does. So um, he does this for free. He comes to Napoli, he comes to the stadium every week, and he does whatever he does on in the stadium for free. He's not paid. 
So obviously he benefits from from that in other ways. Obviously, you know, he has a he does like private parties and stuff like that. And he's all it's famous because he's the speaker of the Napoli Stadium. He, he can't say he's Napoli speaker because it's not. I think it was he got uh, yeah he got warned he got warned by the club he got warned by the club once because he, i think he, on instagram he announced himself as a you know ssc napoli speaker and then someone reached reached out to him and said you're not man like you have no contract with us you are the stadium speaker but you're not napoli speaker so yeah he he changed his so uh, i mean like and so he'll he'll like scream out the first name won't he Yeah, 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 yeah. No, what he claims is he was one of the first ones to do that. And then all the speakers in Italy followed. So yeah, what he does is yeah, he's obviously everybody knows, I guess. He's he he announces the the name, the first name of the player, and then the whole stadium screams back the the surname. Yeah. Uh obviously. And I've I've obviously seen the footage on YouTube and I follow him on, on Twitter. I've been trying to interview him for years. So please someone get me in touch with him. But um <laughs> But to actually be able to take part in that again is this thing of like this very private experience that I had of being of being a fan to suddenly being completely involved in the whole thing was really overwhelming. So again, like I didn't think beforehand that I would get so moved by just the the names of the players being read out. But the fact that Bellini is so unique and as you say, a Napoli fan, he's doing it, you know, for his, out of his own pocket, really. It adds to this whole thing. And like, there's so many cliches that are true. What's the Pino Daniele song about Napoli being full of different colors? What's um Napoli? Yeah, I mean, all those cliches, the 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 kind of fauvism, the 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 brightness of it and the color of it once the players are on the pitch is really interesting because you've got the i know it's so obvious but it's it when you're there it's so it affects you so much that you've got this huge color from the fans and then you've got those same bright shirts on the pitch the bright sky and then Decibel Bellini conducting 60,000 well, not 60,000 51,000 50,000 people in this kind of collective thing that's all at the same time and that's so different from uk football so different like the organization that's the other thing i know the organization of the fans the organization of the chance the the different cues for chance to begin what was the chant and you we had to sit down and then we had to stand up yeah this yeah yeah that was uh uh i mean it doesn't have a name it's just uh i think yeah i just i think they would call it navoli balla like navoli dances because that's what they shout after they stand up so yeah it's just it's a chant where everyone sits down and obviously in the curva you watch the game while you are standing up but for this particular chant everyone stands down well, it was one of my favorites i love it everyone stands like sits down and uh uh the 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 ultra um the ultras ask for silence actually they do some kind of like anticipation, like, oh, anticipation for like one minute, then everyone stays silent. Shh. You know, you hear this like propagates throughout the curva. So everyone is sitting down, everyone is silent. And then a very slow, like even the, the drum, you know, a very slow, la, 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 la. And everyone, at the beginning, everyone starts to chant it like while sitting down. And then the second time around, everyone stands up and just like jumps up and down. And yeah, that's really funny. But and that the is like, kicking, yeah. I mean, 
I'm a, I'm a theatre director. I've worked in like participatory arts. That is like participatory theatre. That's like, but that's so, in my experience of football outside of Italy, so different. Like the thought that's gone into that, the different cues. It's like a, in the Commedia dell'arte when the performers on stage had these pre-rehearsed routines that they would do <laughs> called, called, called Lazzi. And um, they, you know, when the audience started to get bored, one of the performers playing Zani or whatever would start to pretend there was a fly on stage. And that would be the cue for like a pre-rehearsed physical routine that they would do that, to get them laughing again. And then they get back <laughs> on with the story. And so it was just so, and obviously Camera de Latte has got a huge, hugely important in, in, in Naples as well. So there is that, that theatre to the whole thing is so amazing and that's just one example of the chance there's other examples of the chance where they go <laughs> and then they go into the to the next chance. what's what's that one i have no idea like we have so many we have so many it's, and it's uh, like how yeah. long can you do the before you go into that i mean and the, and the way that the curva communicates with each other but it was a weird day right so makesh we talk about the incident that happened yeah i mean i wouldn't call it an incident that's Unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, a normal Sunday for me. So, <laughs> so yeah, what, what I didn't know, so what I knew before going into the game was that new trusts were still going on with the protest. What I found weird was that um, some ultras, some Kurab ultras actually met with Insignia. I don't know if you've seen the videos and the pictures. So they actually said goodbye to Insignia individually, um, like, a couple of days before the game. So that meant to me, obviously you can't protest the players and the club and then celebrate Insignia leaving. You know, it's kind of, that's not the ultra style. Um, it's kind of weird to say to Insignia, thank you. And then two days later, tell him he's not worthy and he should be ashamed of himself. So yeah. that to me just, you know, it was weird because I also knew from like some um reputable sources that you trust still wanted to go on with the, the protest so there were you know conflicting conflicting uh, uh signs then we went inside the stadium and um i've seen something that i've seen happen only once before in person at least it's very very i think if you're not in the stadium you don't notice that and even if you are inside the stadium if you're not in the curva it's very very hard to know what's going on but what happened was that the curva Curva Bull Trust um, split in half. So as we correctly understood, um, some Curva B groups, because obviously the Trust, it's not Curva Bull Trust and Curva A Trust. You know, Curva Bull Trust are um, basically, I think about like seven, eight or 10 groups who then meet inside the Curva and they chant and sing all together. But they have different you know, uh, different people belonging to groups, different uh, direction, different uh, philosophies, uh, bosses and stuff like that. So obviously what happened was, and I didn't know, but uh, I guess then, I guess after we got in, what happened was that, yes, some groups in Kurra B wanted the protests to keep going. So what happened between against uh, this, uh, Napoli, you know, when we played against a solo, you know, the whole stadium, the all, every group ultras group was very compact, compact and agreed in um, protesting the club and the players. But after that, they split. So some groups in Kurabi wanted the protest to keep going, and some groups wanted to just go back to normal. 
And the Curva didn't protest at all. Curva was, I mean, was very far away. You saw how far they were, but I they, couldn't they see were, any protest. Yeah, bouncing. I couldn't see any protest there going on. The All the banners were there. The flags were waving. But we were on the, well, facing the pitch, we were on the right side of the Curva B. And unfortunately, there was the side of the groups who still wanted to protest the club. But it was just hilarious. There was just like this, basically you had all the people on the left-hand side that were bang into it and it was amazing and they were really going for it. Then yeah. there was this group, I'd say maybe of like 300, maybe 250 in the middle that were were the grumpy ones that weren't yes. doing anything. Sulking. So... We'll, we'll call them the sulkers. And then there was us <laughs> lot. We were just on the edge of the sulkers. And then there was a bunch of people that were obviously really into it. And just in front of us, there were these two like teenage girls there with their dad they were obviously really into it and then this guy came over and i don't speak neapolitan i don't speak italian and but he put his hand on my shoulder and started talking to you in quite direct terms michele right so yeah so what happened with the ultras is obviously they don't announce any of these things because they're a very closed group you know they don't they don't do any announcement, they don't do press releases, stuff like that. So what's funny to me is that you have to guess what's going on because they don't say it. Yeah. You know, they kind of make you understand, obviously, because after a while, they you you understand that uh, the dynamics of the curva, but they don't announce these things, you know. They don't say why they want to keep protests and they don't say why the other half of the curva is not. So um, obviously, I got in the stadium quite late. So I couldn't pick up all these little signs and little details beforehand. I just heard the curva sing and chant as usual, and the drum was in full effect playing. So, uh, you know, I just followed the chants as usual. Yep. Uh, I didn't notice that in front of us, there were, as you said, those 200, 300 uh, ultras who were not participating in the chants. I didn't notice that at all, and we were in a area of the curva B, which was still, yes, on the right side. So it was the half of the curva was supposed to protest. But then again, we're surrounded by normal fans. You know, we were in the middle of the trust, obviously, because we are not of trust. And these normal fans, they don't want to, you know, like they don't go there, especially because it was full of families. As, as I said, the under 14 kids got in for free for this game as well. So in, again, if you if you are a... Um, you know, a father and you want to bring your sons or daughters to the stadium, you don't go there with the mentality of, yes, let's tell the Randis and he can go back to Rome. Let's tell the Randis he can go F himself and stuff like that. You go to the stadium, you want to enjoy the game. So we're surrounded by people chanting and singing as usual and following the left side of the curva who very much wanted to support the team as, as normal. So yes. I didn't notice... So I just followed the people around me and I followed and it was the, the... it was the sons of uh, Vesuvio chant, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever it was. It was a normal chant. And uh, uh, I'll be honest, the, the funny part for me is that I wasn't that much into the game in the sense that I also feel like after an Empoli Napoli, something yep. is wrong. You know, for me, the season was over uh, after that. So I didn't really feel like chanting and stuff. But then, you know, like you were there and the day was amazing. So I felt like, you know, what the hell? Let's let's chant, you know, let's let's do it. So I kind of agreed with the protest. I didn't want to protest. Like as I said um last week or two a couple of weeks ago, I would like a protest to be silent, you know, more than insulting. Yeah. 
but yeah. they did they very they were very much very loud and they really wanted to insult the Lorenzi guy, and the he came and over stuff. like he probably was like so, yeah he, he so yeah after a while i joined the chant and uh a guy i would say maybe like 10 50 meters away from me to the left he was very uh, loudly if you will gesturing towards me you know like no no don't do it don't do it and i found it very weird because at the beginning i was i thought it was trying to speak to someone behind me yeah. because again i was to me i was doing what i do every week when i go to the stadium you know like just follow the chants i wasn't doing a chant on my uh just i didn't start any chant i was just following the trust i could see you know the drum was playing and the 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 flags were were waving so for me it was all all normal but then this guy from far away just started to say no 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 and then he was staring at me and after a while okay i understood he was talking to me i was like are you talking to me and then yeah 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 don't do it don't do it now what don't do what don't chant there's nothing to chant about don't chant what do you mean i really didn't understand because again I've seen this only once before, but again, it was different because both... you've, got, you've got this fractured cover you've got within. I mean, that's what I, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, because you wouldn't get that over here. Like, you know, fans don't think for themselves. They just go along with something or the other. But listeners, I have to tell you that Michele can hold his own in conversation with some quite scary people. So, Michele, you definitely stood up for yourself in that conversation didn't, didn't you yeah so maybe maybe you didn't follow but obviously yeah from far away the guy said i don't want to explain too much to you but don't do it don't do it and i was like do i really didn't understand i was like doing what you know i'm just because these people it was so funny to me i joked to my with my friend about it i was like these people every time you go there they shout in your face they yell at you in your face be loud gesture very you know like very loudly and uh uh, just chant as loud as you can to support the the team and follow our chants. So for to me, I was like, I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. You know, like I'm following your chants. I'm doing whatever you want. I'm gesturing with both hands, and for them that's very important. You know, like chanting and gesturing yep. with both hands. So for me, it was like, what what, what am I doing wrong? I, what, what's what what's happening here? Because I've seen this happen two or three years ago, but it was different because. So the curva was divided, but but both halves of the curva were chanting for the players, for the for the team, and for the for the club. So they were chanting different chants at the same time. So it was very weird to me, but they were chanting chants nonetheless. They're so like at the beginning, I really didn't understand. I was like, "What this guy? What do you want?" I was I was it was kind of um, I wouldn't say violent. You know, like it was very loud and it wasn't asking. It was kind of ordering to shut up. Well, I mean, from an English perspective, like any conversation between um, yeah, I guess. Italians seems much more aggressive than it really is. But I think, um, no, it was really, I mean, that, it just felt like there was this weird day of all these historic things that kept the curva separating the thing from senior before. So weird. And then like, that was quite interesting being in the curva and going, there's some people chanting, some people aren't. And then as the game progressed, the the curva got more confident of disobeying those orders yeah and that was fun yeah it was quite funny to see the, the, the this kind of group of sulkers getting smaller and smaller but the game i mean the game is the game it was just an i can't tell you too much about it but like the insigne retaken penalty man like that really again you when you feel like you're watching history happen 
there's that sort of weird moment when you're like, oh my God, I'm actually here for a really fucking significant thing. And like, the penalty was hilarious because you said to me before he's going to, I wonder where he's going to put it. And obviously he put it in the place. He always puts it, misses the penalty, De Lorenzo scores. And then somehow it gets retaken. And I, I still don't really understand why I got retaken. And then he scores the goal to, and that's in front of Corva B. So I was the, right in front of when he scored the goal, his last goal he scored in that stadium. And everyone, I think even the Sulkers celebrated that goal. I could be wrong. Uh, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, I was I was looking. So after that happened, I I kept I kept an eye on them because I wanted to because it was quite you know it's very interesting to me to understand these dynamics and stuff. So yeah, after the guy came approached us after a few minutes and said he couldn't say much, but yeah, he he said you know like we we they don't basically he just said to me they don't deserve any support, so there is nothing to support. And it was funny to me because he said he said uh, do what you feel is right and i was like i was doing what i feel is <laughs> yeah, right yeah. <laughs> so what are you trying to tell me like this is what i have to do what you Kelly, but he knows he's not gonna he's not gonna back down no i was just like i was trying to understand because i really didn't under, because they, again what is hard to it's hard to speak with these people because they are very close you know they don't share their information they don't share what they think or they, what they decide so he was trying to tell me don't do it but he couldn't say why he couldn't say don't chant because our groups have decided to protest and these other groups didn't. He couldn't tell me that they argued in from within the Kurva. The Kurva B groups argued uh, between each other. He couldn't tell me that. But he still wanted me to, to understand that I wasn't allowed to, to chant. And as you said, yeah, it was amazing to me. So, yeah, after what I found hilarious was that... Um, yeah, the guy left obviously, and uh, you know it wasn't like yeah, he, he was speaking. Uh, again, it wasn't very understanding, I would say, but it wasn't trying to. He didn't threaten me. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like no, if you chant, it, I'm gonna kick you or something like that. No, it didn't feel like a physical confrontation. Again, it wasn't. It wasn't really a suggestion as well. It was kind of like an order, but then again. Um, no repercussion. I mean, it's not like if you keep chanting, something will happen to you. But as I told you, after that, I stopped chanting, uh, to be honest, because I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like that guy single for some reason, that guy decided to single me out. So Maybe we were chanting. Maybe yeah, I guess. Yeah. But it was funny to me that we were among, you know, like hundreds of fans chanting and he came to me and only me to tell You're, me you don't right. chant. He wasn't talking to all the people around us chanting. Yeah. He was talking just to me, like me, Michele. It's like, you don't chant. I was like, okay, right. Okay. But <laughs> what I found, what I found hilarious is that after he left, like everyone turned, like all the, all the, all the turned and I was like, what happened? What happened? Everyone wanted to know. I was like, oh, what, what's going on? What happened? What's happening? I told them. Yeah, apparently we are in the half of the curva was not chanting and the other half of the curva is. And after that, everyone was like, oh, come on, Jesus, really? Yeah. And the two teenage uh, girls in front of us, like one, of, one of them was like, oh, no, no, I can't believe it. No way, no way. And she, she sat down. And she was like, okay, whatever, you know, like, I, I don't like that. Yeah, she, it was very funny to me. And yeah, the, the guys it next to about, me. It took her about five minutes before she started chanting again. That's I thought true, that was great. that's true, she, she that's true. Yeah. But the, um, I mean, but that's the thing. But in some ways, like for me, like a tourist coming into this, 
there couldn't be an event that most sums up the state of play with the club than, than all this. Like the, the split cover, the kind of mixed emotions, but it just completely encapsulates exactly where Napoli is. And it's like, it was kind of the reason that I wanted to start this show was to talk to somebody who's in the stadium because that's how you know what's going on at the club, right? Is to sit, well, you don't sit really, to stand in cover B, right? That's how you measure the temperature of the fans, right? That's how you measure the temperature of how well things are going, how much anticipation there is of, of, of an event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and so the whole thing, but you add to that this weird historic thing. And then Lubotka scores a Maradona-esque goal. Like, what the hell is going on? It's just the best play in the world. There's nothing to talk about there. That's, He's so good. Was, like, when, yeah. he, when he came on the pitch, like, what a fun player to watch. I mean, I suppose, like, the game itself, it was so much fun to watch Ossiemen and what he does. To see Chiro, Mertens and Insigne play together, and it was the last time I would have been able to do that. Their chemistry on the pitch is incredible to see. And Zambon Gisa had a really good game. And Agreed, what a yeah. presence. What did but they the tell other... you when, uh, when Lobotka came on? Do you remember? Sorry. When, Lobot... when Lobotka came on the pitch, do you remember what I told you? Uh, that he wasn't going to score a goal. No, that I didn't say that. No, I said that all Genoa hopes were lost the moment Lobotka came onto the pitch. Because I knew, I knew, I knew that was going to happen. He's just too good. He's just too good. He's such an amazing... And you always say that it's different when you're in the stadium. Like, you see Lobotka, and he just is everywhere. I mean, he's a protagonist. And, like, you always think of that role as a kind of supporting role. He's a protagonist. Let's build a team around Lobotka, in the mid midfield around. It was interesting also, I worry about if Fabian goes in the summer. Like, so much of the play goes through him. Like, he comes so much deeper than I thought he was going to. Like, sometimes he's basically yeah. in that back three. Yeah, um, anyway, so, I mean, the game was amazing. And, like, I suppose the, the, the last thing that I think is worth talking about is, is obviously at the end there was a whole bunch of stuff and announcements and, and all the emotion. I think people watched that and it's been well covered. There's other podcasts like Raf and Raf have talked about it really well. But the thing that was amazing was when most of the stadium had left. And Not most many... of the stadium. 90-90% of the stadium left, yeah. Yeah, so I was going to say that. How many of us do you think were there at this moment? This was like... No, not that. Maybe, maybe, maybe 70, 60 people. I mean, it was amazing. We were hanging around just chatting. And then Insigne comes out just with his kids for a kickabout. And that, for me, I saw, even in you... Michele, immensely intelligent, rational man. I could see some of the emotion hit you there because you kind of saw a guy from Naples with his kids kicking the ball about. You saw the, you saw the guy. I know things haven't gone perfectly for him at the club, but you kind of saw that. It didn't seem very stage managed. It seemed like it kind of a genuine moment there, but I could be wrong, Michele. No, no, no. What, what, so what I was paying attention to was after Insigne, you know, like obviously, as you said, after the game, he went, uh, he took his lap of honor around the, the pitch and he said goodbye to the fans. And I was looking at, you know, again, like he's from here. So I kind of understand, like, I try, obviously, he lives like an extremely different life from mine. But I kind of, when it comes to supporting the team and being a fan of Napoli, I, I understand him, you know. And um, so I was looking at him very intensely because I wanted to see, the moment he left the pitch 
you know, for the last time as a Napoli player. For me, like if I were in his shoes, for me, that would have been a devastating moment. I was like, oh, there's no way I can leave this pitch. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the last one inside the stadium and then maybe I'm going to leave the pitch. So after his lap of, of honor, everyone, like all the other players left and I was, he was heading towards the dressing room. I was like, okay, that's, he left it quite quickly. So I guess, I guess that wasn't as important, but then it turns out he didn't. So everyone else went uh, in the tunnel and went to the dressing room. I think he gave an interview, a post-game interview to the television or something like that. And he never left. Like, he couldn't leave. That's what I paid attention to. Like, okay, so he actually is not capable of leaving the stadium. Like, he needs to be the last one on the pitch. Like, and it, that, that was really funny to me that, yeah, he invited, like, his whole family. Um, yeah, it's to, yeah, it's beautiful. To... And that's a really good point. that He wants to be the last, the last person there. Yeah, I think that... And that, again, like, I'm sure that wasn't on TV the opportunity to be there when that happened yeah. i mean that's such a privilege like that's the thing for me yeah. because he came under curva b obviously where we were yeah. yeah he was right in front of us and you were saying like you could say something to him and you shouted something you know i can't remember what it was or something it wasn't go go to shit around it was something nice everyone <laughs> yeah pro- probably yes i managed to, to to shout um over to him and like that's again to go back to the whole thing for me is like it's gone so beyond this private vice of mine to the point that I could literally talk to one of the players. I mean, obviously we were quite far away. Right. Yeah. But I think he would have heard me. And like, you compare that to a eight, nine, 10 year old in Northwest of England trying to watch a terrible Napoli team on, on channel four on my own. And then the game would be over and I'd have no one to talk to about it. So I'd have to kind of talk to myself about it in my, in my, in my head. You compare that to, being around you and we had Steven and his mates behind us and, and afterwards and beforehand, like the whole thing was such a, a communal thing, but it wasn't just this kind of blind acceptance of how wonderful Napoli is. I got the full experience. I got the whole, the whole issue with where we're at now as a club, the, the mixed feelings of the fans. I mean, just you absolutely couldn't have come up with a better first time. Maybe if it was a champions league semi-final. <laughs> Or a final, yeah, I guess semi-final, yeah. Or maybe if there was the deciding game for the title. Yeah, exactly. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? But like, but I think the, to be honest, the, the the pressure of it would have been so much that I probably would have just been crying the whole time. But yeah, no, I think I think this kind of game is probably the perfect game to be introduced to the stadium because it's when there is actually something on the line, then it's you need to come back. Obviously, I really That's want to come back in the winter. People was... like, yeah. I was talking Champions to my, League, Champions League. Yeah, I was, I was talking to my partner and we we absolutely loved it. It was her first time in, in Naples too. And it was just like, so like we were really upset to leave. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm mean, 39, but I was really <laughs> upset to get the plane back. Like it really felt like a violence that I was only there for five days. I really wanted to stay for long. So I'm fascinated to go to... It'd be nice to go to like the historic center in the winter when there's less tourists and stuff. It's just that I'm really fascinated to see how the city works in the winter because it must feel quite different, I should imagine. Or maybe it does, yeah, it does. It does, but we still prefer the outdoor anyway. Of course. So there are still people in the streets and stuff. Just it it rains more, that's it. Well, I'm all right with rain, you know. I I guess. I live in that part of the but so you know, so that was the game of the day. But you know, I've been to Naples before, but it was just 
I'm now a huge fan of Vomero. I know that probably makes me sound like I'm a very bourgeois person, but <laughs> what a fucking beautiful place that is. It's like Paris with palm trees, man. It's like, we had some lovely times just hanging out there. So anyway, um, you got a Neapolitan phrase for the week? I do. And I realized that this episode is so special that we also forgot to mention that number 11, this is episode number 11 Ooh. in the Tombola, right? What is that? No, you tell me. It is um, a sorice. No. <laughs> Almost. A, so- uh, a sorice? Yes, a surice. Surice. Yes. Or Which means... The mice, or yes. as you say in Italian, i topi. I topolini, yes. I topolini. Topi, yes, 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 yes. Any significance for that, or just that's what... no? I mean, there are some, but uh, I would rather not go into it. You can you can call a woman uh, Topolino, and that would mean something really bad. So let's not get into that. Really? I think yes, 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 yes. We have we have a very specific Neapolitan word to yeah, which means you know female mouse. But when when yeah when said to a woman it means something else so yeah we'll have to Maybe. do a, a different episode like late night Napoli where we yes can... the episode sixty nine will be all about <laughs> all about all these dirty details and filthy filthy talk the whole way the whole hour but yeah absolutely and when it comes to the Nabadan phrase of the week uh, I chose one which. Um, could be said to insignia maybe you know like as you said and as i said um i remember saying and uh, i still stand by that insignia living is not a big deal i also said that obviously there would have been a big event and people would have been emotional and i anticipated that it would have been you know this big event in my opinion maybe a little bit too big but yeah that's uh that's uh, maybe it an, and you also compare was... it to what to what Hamsik. I mean, that was sorry. One last thought on all this is that you do think about Hamsik and and Callahan yeah. and Maggio in living memory, and what they didn't get is yeah. Poor Gulam, poor Gulam didn't get anything. Did yeah. you see like and in this lap of honor, like the, the whole team had the the lap of honor around the beach, around the you know just to say hi to the bye to the fans. And uh, so the first guy was in senior, obviously, was ahead of the, the group. And then the last two people, the last two players were Koulibaly and Gulam. And that was really nice. And Koulibaly actually one point, I don't know if you saw it, but when, when they were under the Curva B, Koulibaly pushed Gulam towards the stands and uh, just to receive his standing ovation, you know, because Gulam is a very shy person. I had the honor to actually speak to Gulam once. And he's very 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 shy and i think what was going on was that kulibali said go get your standing ovation because people want to say bye to you and oh, Gulam said no no i mean what a fantastic leader kulibali is to make sure that Gulam. and we all stood up and gave him a man he got of a course big, yeah big, of course and rightly so i think but um yeah and then actually i have to say that after the game before we wrap up with our it was great to meet uh to meet mo mo salad we had a really good chat and there's some other other dudes there probably would have liked to say to you know bit longer but you know when you go on holiday with your family you have other things you have to do but um so yeah okay so this this neapolitan phrase of the week for our our departing captain so the neapolitan phrase of the week for this week would be a phrase which i would dedicate to um 
to Insignia. So this is the phrase in Napolitan. The phrase is Avutate dovico, buonanotte all'amico. So it even rhymes. In Italian, so I'll say it again. Avutate dovico, buonanotte all'amico. Which in Italian means as soon as you turn the corner, you can say good night or goodbye to the friend. Which, you know, metaphorically speaking, would be, you know, friendships and our time together on this earth is limited. And uh, we have to make the most of the time we, we spend together. So we knew from the very beginning that Insignia wouldn't have stayed forever, obviously, in the club. Because, I mean, at one point you have to retire yeah. or, or transfer somewhere else. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good 10 years with Insignia. But it was time last Sunday to turn the corner and, and say goodbye to our old friend. And uh, who knows, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Because I come back on alone. You never know. I mean, I I do agree. It felt like the right time for him to go. That was my over. It was emotional. I think there were aspects of the ceremonies that were a bit ridiculous. But my overwhelming thing was like, yeah, that was cool. That was a good moment for him to go. Good luck to you, and let's yeah. see what happens in the future. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm happy it happened. I probably, like, I don't want to say it's undeserved, you know. But when I think about Hamsik leaving, he didn't get one. Yeah. When I think about Lavezzi leaving, I mean, I mean, Lavezzi didn't stay that long. But again, Paolo Cannavaro then. You know, Paolo Cannavaro, he was the captain. He stayed with Napoli throughout the curva, the, 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 the Serie B, Serie A promotion. Yeah. And he stayed with us. You know, it wasn't that good. That's the thing. You know, he wasn't, he had, a, he didn't have an impact as Insigne. Insigne isn't the, great, the greatest player in the world, but he actually... For a few years, he was our best player. Yeah. So that was, and that wasn't easy because we had Iguain, we had Cavani, we had a lot of players while he was here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I felt, you know, like I would have liked to see something like that for other players too. You know, maybe not that big, but you know, when Kayon was an immensely important player, I think for I us. I would have invited Hamset. I mean, he's busy. He's still playing, isn't he? But it would have been yeah. nice to have had everyone anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure we will continue to talk about all of this in the future. So those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed today. Forgive the self-indulgence. This would be you know, the last time I'm so self-indulgent about this. But it's not every day you get to go to uh, see Napoli play in person for the first time. Um, so we're going to be stitching together some of the notes and stuff I recorded there. Uh, there's some really fun stuff, including me being served a coffee by a Juventus fan. Um, yeah, so keep your ears peeled for that. Thank you, Michele, for everything on Sunday. It was amazing. You th- I'm not just saying it, but like, folks, if you're listening to this show and you haven't been to see Napoli play, you have to come next season. Just make it happen. Because this guy that you listen to, he's building this army of people from all around the world that will do anything for napoli so it was a fucking cool day and um yeah thanks man my pleasure it was really nice to to have all those people over but obviously i was waiting for you so <laughs> it was very nice it was very nice to 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 see the game to meet you to see the game with you it was very nice to enable you know to actually be part of this experience in a way you know like i don't think you're never gonna forget your first time 
at the Maradona, the San Paolo, however you want to call it, and uh, being able to be part of it, even a small part of it, I have a, to play a small part in you know getting you the ticket and going to the scene with you. That was that was really nice. It was a, a huge part. I, I don't think I would have come if we hadn't had the show. I'm not sure. Maybe I would, but I think <laughs> it's it's huge, man. Thank you, and like. Let's hang out properly next time. But definitely, we're working out when we're coming back for the winter. So we'll have to, because uh, you have to be on the ball. You can't be sinking the beers and the wines, can you, on, on match day? Because you've got to give your tickets away. Exactly, yeah. yeah. True come back, Come back for a Champions League game. I'm buying up for it. I just need to get my teaching schedule. I might say to my boss, I don't think I should teach on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Like, you can find Michele on at Napoli Tickets on Twitter. You can find me on at Henry Balcalcio. Um, thanks to Rafa and Ken for their help with this episode. Uh, this is part of the Far From Vesuvius podcast network, at Far From Vesuvius. Um, we'll see you again. We'll hear from us again in a week. And let's do it. Forza Napoli! Sempre! Yeah.